welcome to Scale Your Business Radio with your hosts, David Finkel and Jeff Hoffman. Welcome back, everybody. I'm David Finkel, one of your co-hosts. I'm joined here by Jeff Hoffman, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Priceline.com. And we've been talking here about how you scale your business and get your life back. And Jeff, so when we left for the break, one of the things we were talking about is what does it mean to actually scale a company? And, and we were sharing about that. Um, I want to take a trip back in a time machine and just what was it like for you when you started the first real company? I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I'm just curious for you. I, I think most people I talk with that are successful business owners, they had a once-upon-time thing where they started back, you know, grade school or high school with their first business. For me, I still remember I was in sixth grade and I was selling candy at school, you know, buy it for five cents and sell it for 15 cents of the markup. And that was my first one. But the first real one was a a, a, a company that was selling health and nutritional products, and I bought the, the non-exclusive license to sell this line of health products. I was 22 years old. Uh, at the time, I was training to play in the Olympics. I knew nothing at all about that, but I thought, wow, this is a really good product. You know, I've heard about it. I think I can sell it. And 10 months later, I'd failed out of business. What was the first real business that you did? And I'm going to get into some of the lessons that you learned about that, and I'll share some of mine as well. So what was your first real company? Or, or even start us off, did you do one in high school or in elementary school? Were you one of those same people that, that did that early business and kind of figured something out way back when? Well, I would say yes, but excuse me, not thinking of as necessarily a business initially, but all the way back to the newspapers, right? So when I found out, that you could buy a stack of newspapers from a local newspaper company then get on your bicycle, deliver them to all the houses in the neighborhood, then go back to those people and charge them money, and you keep the difference. So I had to actually run a little business because I had to start – I didn't think of this. Just to be the local paper boy, I had to start writing down how many papers I actually got to make sure that the invoice from the newspaper company was right. Then I had to figure out when it was due and when I had to pay it. Then I had to ride on my bike to all the houses and get people to pay me for their newspapers <laughs> so I could take the money to the newspaper company and make sure that in the end there was something left over for me. So I had to get organized in a way that, that made me run a little business even when I was delivering newspapers. Um, in college, I funded my college education by starting a little software company. So, again, this was really was a company because I was signing contracts with small businesses to write custom software, and I had to go find skilled labor, make sure I got the requirements right, make sure I got the estimates and the work, you know, the statements of work right, which I'd never heard of those things, so that I could charge the right amount and deliver the customer what they actually wanted so that I could get the next customer. But my drive then was really just to pay for college. So even though I was running a business, uh, it was because I was trying to get a college education. My first real company was the one that I mentioned earlier, David, which was called CTI, Competitive Technologies, which was an actual startup with a real market, uh, which, again, was the travel industry, travel and aviation. Uh, and I had some ideas for products, but no idea whatsoever how to build a company around my product ideas. I'm curious, as you did that first time, there you were, you just finished school. Did you go straight into the world of startups? I mean, you'd share the story that you'd had a little bit of, war- of time in the world of corporate America. Share, share what uh, disabused you of that notion that you should be staying in corporate America. 
<laughs> okay. So I did, but, you know, again, Dave, it's kind of funny because uh, not long before we started writing Scale, I had been asked to be the commencement speaker at uh, a couple different, a few universities in both the U.S. and over in Europe for these commencements, and it made me think about the guidance we're given as we head off into life, which is this. There's some unwritten rule book that all our parents have a copy of somehow that says <laughs> get a degree, and not get a degree not in something you're passionate about, but in something that has good jobs attached to it, and then go get a job in that field with, with a company you can stay with the rest of your life. So we're told get a, get a degree and get a job, and that's sort of this unwritten rule book of what you're supposed to do. So I gave in to that same pressure. I went and got a job with a, got an engineering degree and got a job with a big name company in a big engineering, uh, company. And like I said, it was a stable environment where I knew I was getting my paycheck every other week. Everything was great except that I wasn't even a little bit happy. <laughs> I didn't enjoy the company, the bureaucracy, the inefficiencies, uh, the focus on pleasing management way more than pleasing customers. And every day was, you know, honestly, David, it was a little bit of misery. I went in there every day because apparently, quote, that's what you're supposed to do. But one day I said, maybe it would be better, I'd be happier if I just did what I wanted to do and not what I was supposed to do. And everybody initially said, you know, it always got tied to the paycheck. Well, if you work for this big company in corporate America, you'll always have your paycheck, which you won't if you're a small business owner. Well, we all know now that that's no longer true anyway. Big companies that we thought were so stable and would always be there are simply not. Uh, the economy has not been friendly to them, and nothing's guaranteed anymore. So, it, it you know, staying in corporate America was something I was only doing because I was, quote, told to. Apparently that's a system, and I falsely believed then that it was somehow safer or better. I decided anyway that I would rather be, you know, be happy than just following the rule books, be pursuing things that interest me, challenge me, and stimulating me, stimulate me, and that that was part of my paycheck, those three things. So I was willing to forfeit some certainty in salary for an environment where every day I felt stimulated and intellectually challenged. Yeah, absolutely. You tell me this here. So uh, I'm curious, did you actually end up giving one of those, those commencement addresses and how did – how did the university react to hearing a message about saying, hey, maybe there is a different path for some of these people in this, in this grouping here. Maybe you don't have to do something you don't love. Well, it's interesting because uh, commencement speeches, I, I, you know, I, I give speeches all over the planet Earth to audiences you know, to the size of many thousands, and I'm never nervous because I'm talking about the topic you and I are talking about, growing businesses and, and getting a life. So I'm always comfortable doing that, but I was actually nervous about these commencement speeches because it's a different audience with a different purpose. And I did something I think a little bit unorthodox. A commencement speech is aimed at the students and giving them advice. But in each case before I started, I said, hey, kids, give me a minute here. I know you want to throw your hats in the air and go party, but I need to talk to your parents. So I started my each commencement speech by saying, parents, listen to me for a minute. And I said, quit telling your kids all the things that they should do so that their life looks like yours. Your kids love you. They just don't want to be you. You're giving them advice from a business model about careers and corporations that came from the 50s, the 60s, whatever. 
the model's old. It doesn't work anymore. And you're giving kids advice to, to model your life. And that's not the world they live in. That's not the world any of us live in more anymore. We didn't used to know a world of the Internet and online commerce and social media and all these things that are part of our business world now, so the old worlds don't apply. So, David, that's how I started. I told the parents, please stop giving advice that was written decades ago and give your kids some room to follow their passions. And here's a big one. Let them make mistakes. As small business owners and entrepreneurs, we don't know all the answers. We are going to fail, we are going to stumble, and we are going to make mistakes. But at least we're out there living. You feel more (laughs) alive when you're on the field, in the game, even when the pass is incomplete. At least you were in the play. And you learn something about it, and you go back in the huddle, and you discuss it, you improve it, and you try it again. And it's a much more fulfilling life than being sitting somewhere. When you're sitting on the bench, you know you're never going to get hurt. You know you're never going to miss a pass because you're never going to be in the game. So that was the message I gave was it's a new world with new rules, and you've got to let today's kids chart their own career path and make their own mistakes. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that about mistakes and learning from that and letting kids do that. I'm thinking about my start as an entrepreneur, and I'm going to ask you in a second here what some of the big mistakes that you made that you used and, and, and learned from that experience. But I'll share two quick ones. You know, one for me, and this seems so obvious, but uh, I bought a lot of my health products wholesale. So I'd buy them for 75 and sell them for 110 and I'd make the markup from that. And there would be times where I would forget, hey, I had to put several thousand dollars in to buy my inventory, and I would sell the product and someone would hand me the $110, and I would think to myself, hey, I just made $110. And I forgot about this idea of making sure that, hey, there's a difference between gross revenue and uh, operating profits. I forgot to take out my cost of goods sold and my mental math, and sometimes I go splurge and spend only to discover, wait a second, now I'm in a cash crunch because I've spent the money that I needed to replenish inventory. So that was one. And the other one, I think for me, was probably a a, a little embarrassing, but it was a great lesson. I I subleased an office space because I thought I needed to have that space to do this. And the space that I subleased, Jeff, the people I was paying rent, they didn't pay the main landlord. And three months later, the sheriff showed up at my door, literally moving my things out. And I said, well, how could this be? I paid my rent. Here's the copies of the checks. Sorry, sir, that, that they weren't the landlord. <laughs> they, they were the tenant that you were subleasing from. So those are some of my, my lessons there. What, what were some of your lessons, and what did you learn here? You've got about a minute and a half here. So give me one. Wow, that that's... That is absolutely amazing. So in that time, I will say that my biggest one early on was not recognizing the importance of hiring people smarter than me to run every part of the business. I thought when you're the CEO and the founder of a company, you better know everything that's going on in every department and every part of the company and be involved in every decision. And later I learned that is not called a CEO. That is called a bottleneck. (laughs) <laughs> it's great to hear that when you say that, Jeff. And actually, I, I was wrong a little bit about the time, so we're going to be moving on to our next commercial break here. And we'll be coming back in just a moment. I'm David Finkel, joined by Jeff Hoffman, co-authors of Scale Your Business. And what we'll be doing when we come back, we'll be talking about, Jeff, the inside story of how Priceline.com got started. <laughs> 